the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and we're at episode 475. Now, before my guest joins me in the studio... We have a bit of an announcement from Samsung to give a mention to. So today, Samsung have formally announced their new handsets. That is the Galaxy Z Flip and also the Galaxy S20, S20 Plus and the Galaxy S20 Ultra. Now, these sort of gadgets, um, I, I guess it, it's fair to say to a to a degree... I've become a, I don't know, a little bit bored sometimes with uh, with smartphone announcements, and I'm sure I'm not the only one because we, we're generally tending to get quite uh, small incremental improvements uh, each year. But this year is probably a little bit different because 5G is landing and Samsung are sort of owning that um, by launching the Galaxy uh, S20 and S20 um uh, well, in New Zealand, the S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra, uh, that will both include 5G as standard. So that's the uh, that's that's the first that we've seen that uh, with a handset in New Zealand, and um, that's fairly fairly similar, I think, on an international uh, basis. And so that is, um, I think that's going to push you know, a bunch of people to be uh, to be upgrading. Uh, there's a few other things about these uh, these new Samsungs that I thought were, uh, were were worth mentioning before we jump into the show uh, or the rest of the show with uh, with Bill. So the the, um, the Galaxy Z Flip uh, is, I guess, it's a bit like the old the old school um, flip phone, and uh, and it and it folds. In half, so um, it's quite a, a tidy little package to fit in a in a top pocket and so on, where you might not normally uh, fit a phone, and it's and it's got a all screen. It's pretty cool, uh, and it's and it's a I guess a different approach to the uh, the Galaxy Fold that was all about having a, a bigger screen. Uh, this gives you really a smaller device when it when it folds open. Then it's uh, you know it's pretty typical of a smartphone in, in terms of the um, the screen real estate that uh, that you've got. But uh, that's not available just yet. But it has been uh, has been un- unveiled today. I had a little bit of a play around with it. Uh, I think you know maybe. I don't know. There, there, there will be a few uses for it, as well as it being something nice and handy and small to fit in your purse or in your pocket, um, depending on uh, on what what you use to uh, uh, to store such things. Um, but I think the the main uh, news, uh, other than the uh, Z Flip, because we we can't get hands on that uh, just yet, is about the um, the updated uh, Galaxy S range and so I just thought we'll run run through quickly what were the highlights from my perspective having spent uh, a little little bit of time uh, with these new uh, devices uh, ahead of launch um, they've got a high refresh rate display which for me I'm I'm not um, you know super bothered about but in terms of uh, gaming and and video content just give you a, um, a smoother result. The bit that's really got me interested is what they've done around the cameras. And in those regards, it's the Galaxy S20 Ultra that really, 
owns it. And the S S twenty Ultra, uh, basically the 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 standout bit is um, the top camera is one hundred and eight uh, megapixel. Now. It's not so that you can create a 108 megapixel image, uh, but it gives you that ability to zoom and and do a bunch of other things in terms of getting a really uh, a really high quality result. Um, so it's effectively that gets uh, gets down uh, down sampled. But there is also a uh, a camera, and this is it's a quad camera um, phone. But there is also a telephoto lens. It's 48 megapixels. And Samsung tell me it has a 10 times optical zoom. Now, how do you fit a big uh, zoom lens like that inside a smartphone? Well, they've done that by stacking it vertically inside uh, the phone and then having a, a prism so that it can um, you know, take, take the photo in the, in, the, uh, in the normal way from the back of the camera so you're not having to uh, you know, hold the end of the camera facing where you want to uh, photograph. Uh, and it, it works remarkably well, I've got to, I've got to say. And they have a, uh, a software-enhanced um, zoom up to 100 times, which is a bit nuts, and look, at 100 times... Uh, it's pretty hard to, hard to hold the uh, the phone uh, steady, especially if um, yeah. I mean, it just it just it's just as um, and and of course it's it's a software generated zoom, so the quality is is, is pretty average at that level. Uh, but certainly at the five times and the and the and the ten times uh, level, it looks uh, looks pretty good from my initial play. Um, and then the other thing which is is really cool uh, is you've got. 8K video. Now, when you think of that, that's about 4,000 by 8,000 pixels, give or give or take, uh, which equates to a 32 megapixel uh, image for every single frame. So there, there is a little sort of built-in um, feature, and I've forgotten what it's called. Um, but you, you, uh, you fire that off, and it will get you 10 seconds of video, and it'll pull some stills out. Um, so just very, very quickly getting you a bit of content without um, having to, you know. Muck around, uh, muck around too much, and uh, yeah, there's also a capability that lets you uh, pull the best frames out of a video. So if you find it hard to, you know, catch something, whether it's sports or something that's, that's reasonably fast moving, um, then you can just shoot video in 8K and then uh, grab the frames you want as stills. And they're they're four times higher definition than what we would normally see uh, from a smartphone because you know we're usually limited to this 4K uh, resolution. So uh, pretty pretty impressive, I've got to say. They've got some um, some fast charging uh, options with the uh, certainly the Ultra is able to uh, charge it up to uh, 45 watts, which which speeds up the charging. Uh, the batteries are pretty big, so range from uh, 4,000 milliamp hour on the uh, on the S20, uh, four and a half thousand on the S20 Plus, and uh, 5,000 milliamp hour uh, battery on uh, the S20 Ultra. Uh, so, if you're not aware of the pricing, they it starts at 1,500 uh, for the S20. It goes up to uh, 1,900 for the S20 Plus and 2,200. Uh, for the S20 Ultra. Um, so they're, they're, to a degree following uh, a little bit in Apple's uh, uh, footsteps with pricing, they are limiting the New Zealand uh, launched 
devices to 128 gigs, which uh, I don't know. I like I like more than that, but you can expand that with um, micro SD storage uh, up to uh, a terabyte. So um, they've certainly got some some flexibility there, which is uh, is nice, and that's probably a lower cost way of expanding your your storage than uh, buying a, a device with more storage to start with. So that's a, a quick overview. Uh, let's uh, let's jump into the rest of the episode, which we have uh, um, actually delayed the uh, publishing of, so that we could cover this info on the uh, the Galaxy S twenty. Uh, the rest of the podcast was uh, recorded uh, on Tuesday. Welcome along, Bill Bennett. Great to have you back on the show for twenty twenty. Yeah, four seventy five. Eh. Now. <laughs> We've just we've entered a new a new decade. Yep, the twenties. Well, we're in the twenties. Well, some if, people say it doesn't start till twenty one, but I don't that, care. That's true. Yeah. Um, I still I like to call it a new decade. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about the twenties, it's sort of you know the in my mind 20s. it makes you think of the nineteen twenties. Yeah. But we're in the twenty twenties. Yeah, Al Capone. This is <laughs> uh, we are we are living in the future, Bill. Um, of course, we're we're. We're always just a moment away from the future. Uh, and, of course, for those that are listening in, you're probably slightly behind um, <laughs> when we record it. But uh, welcome along, everyone. Thanks for, for joining us. Uh, lots to lots to talk through today, both uh, on the international and and, um, and a bit on the local front as well. It's some, some pretty interesting uh, stories. First up, I wanted to talk about uh, this news that came through from Reuters that suggests that Huawei, Oppo, Vivo, and Xiaomi, um, you know, four big Chinese smartphone uh, brands, are going to work together to compete with uh, Google's app store for Android, the Google Play Store, um, forming an alliance called the Global Developer Service Alliance. Now, when we look at the troubles that Huawei have been having uh, with the US, basically putting them in a position where they can't launch new phones uh, that include the Google Play Store and varying other uh, elements from Google, therefore uh, not able to have you know Google Maps and you know varying other uh, you know Google pieces on their devices. Uh, I can see this making some sense for Huawei. Uh, for the other manufacturers, is this is this them sort of covering? Uh, presuming this goes ahead, is this them covering themselves in case? The, the US, you know, ultimately put similar uh, restrictions on them? Yeah, very much. I mean, I think it's only, I think a lot of them feel that it's only a matter of time before the focus changes. And, you know, once Huawei's out of the way, then who's next? Um, two of those companies are actually the same company, aren't they? Two of those brands are actually the same company. So I forget which two, but... Well, Oppo and OnePlus sort of, Share yeah. a lot of tech. Uh, is Vivo maybe as a yeah? As a, I think uh, I think there's I think there's related not, brand as, as as well. Yeah, yeah, I think there's not four distinct companies in that in yeah. that group. Yeah. Anyway, the, here's the thing, right? Between those four companies, they account for about forty three percent of all phones sold worldwide. Glo- you know, so that's uh, a large market share. 
take um, Apple out of the equation, which is Apple's on about 10, 12%, you know, given, given, give a few points. That means that Google's market share goes from, you know, 90% down to 45%. And it's kind of an own goal for American trade policy because, you know, there's Donald Trump thinking, oh, we can we can use our leverage in trade policy. We can swat Huawei. We can make our own industry stronger. Well, actually, they've just made their own industry weaker, you know, and, and dramatically so because Google's strength in there was a form of a, a very strong form of trade. The problem, I think, is for people like Donald Trump and a lot of um, high up American politicians who are, let's face it, pretty damn ancient and not very tech savvy is they don't see the value in software and services that they see in hardware. So I think their focus on you know getting the hardware out of the of the picture, and they think they're awfully clever. But actually, I would imagine that Google's business, which you know if it, if Google's Android business was to halve overnight, that would probably be of greater economic value than not having. Um, Huawei in the market, so yeah, that uh, it's a it's a really imp- uh, key perspective there. If if that is their their view, and they're very much heavily focused on on the hardware, then you know they they really are missing something. My, I guess my my immediate thought is that already in China, the Google Play Store you know, doesn't doesn't operate, uh, and in other markets where we have we have a choice because there are already other app stores available uh, today and when you install a Samsung there are things that you know they want you to sign in with your Samsung thing and I think you know some of the apps and bits and pieces come come out of Samsung's world Huawei have, have had a, a, a similar uh, piece for a while I, I guess those haven't been pushed as as sort of you know heavily as the place to get your apps, and in fact, I've never looked, so I don't know whether you can or <laughs> whether you can or you or you can't. To be to be fair, uh, but if you've got both on a phone, then I would imagine most people are still going to you know, gravitate to the Google Play Store, unless and this is this this is the unknown, unless they really push it hard, and for maybe purchased apps, they might offer they might. You know, giveaway apps that normally you pay for. They might, yeah, subsidise them in other ways, or or just charge less to the app developers because Google takes, I think, around thirty percent cut of the of the sale. Yeah, whether that whether that's fair or or not, you know, Apple take a big uh, slice out of you know app sales and and subscriptions and so on as well. No, that's a high. It is a high percentage. Um, Yeah, that's that's a possibility. What I think this where I think this really matters. Um, is to look at it regionally. Okay, so um, those other three Chinese companies still sell phones in the US. Well, no one in America is going to buy an Android phone that doesn't have Gmail, or or very, very few Americans will. Um, Go to Latin America, probably the same. Europe, probably the same. Um, Southeast Asia, um, South Asia, places like China, Pakistan, Sri Lanka and so on, they may look at it differently. In fact, I, I would imagine that they probably will even have local variants of app stores anyway within, with, with language differences. But I think this is really important for basically Western countries. Um, and you know, think of, of and as with the New Zealand tech podcast, let's talk about New Zealand. 
how many New Zealanders are going to buy a phone, an Android phone that you can't use with Gmail? I mean, I think you can if you um, if you um, root the phone anyway. Yeah, you you can uh, you know sideload the um, yeah. uh, G- GMS um, Google the Google uh, piece onto. Uh, for instance, how uh, Huawei's uh, new Mate Mate Thirty yeah. uh, Pro. But people don't do that very. I mean, M- most people aren't going yeah. to jump through those hoops. Now I know there'll be some listeners, you know, who'll be yelling out saying, "Hey, I have, I've, yeah, oh, I've, yeah. I've done it." And but and those, you know, are, the, when, those are the people who are going to do it. Though, yeah, there, yeah. There, there, there's there's that um, yeah that that slice. But yeah, I mean, right now. Um, Huawei is being really hurt by um, you know by being blocked in in, in this way yeah. by the US and look I you know I think there's uh, there's some wisdom on uh, the part of these companies to uh, to to hedge their bets a little bit. There is, and I think that's what's going on. And I think what you could see is you, I mean, it's for some time now I've wondered if the tech sector, the sort of services and software side of it, was going to regionalise anyway because. Um, there's an there's an angle to this that you just want to keep in mind, and it's it goes like this, right? Um, up until now, China hasn't really played hardball with software and so on, but China does play hardball with news, right? There's a lot of censorship going on, and if, for example, there was a Chinese zone of control as far as uh, phone software is concerned there could be a chinese zone of control as far as censorship is concerned i mean i'm not saying i mean well i think there there, there is already to you know to a degree because they don't have the google play yeah. store and you have to go through a chinese yeah. store already um you know they do have their rules in place around you know oh, games yeah. and if, if you you're know, in china you can't all, you can't all, get the same sorts of news stuff, service right yeah but i'm but what i'm saying is, is that this could be a way of extending that into other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's possibly what is going on here. So it's, a, so it's actually a bigger issue than just software. Um, it could be that we start to see censorship of uh, what, you know, what people in other countries can see on Chinese phones. And that's and here's the, here's the irony of all this, right? One of the reasons that you know, the Huawei fear factor started in the first place was the fact that the Chinese government may take control at any point of Huawei and and insist that they do so on. Well, this if in some respects that this move brings that closer. So um, it's and it's actually a reason for people in Western countries to think, oh maybe maybe I shouldn't be buying a Chinese phone. I'm not saying I'm not telling people that's what you should think. I'm saying yeah. there will be people who think that way. So yeah, and and look, I I think uh, it it is important for consumers to think about and consider, you know, the implications of um, the digital products, the hardware you buy from you know a whole range of perspectives from. Um, you know what? What are going to be the implications on me if I if I yeah. buy this product? What are the broader implications? As as you know, we we do um, around hey, you know, buying buying uh, or doing a particular thing. What's the impact that has on the environment? Yeah. Um, if if things are getting uh, 
um, you know, crazier in in one market or another. We've got to look at the political uh, considerations as, as as well. And look, I, d- I don't know how this thing's going to uh, well, the thing uh, about China going, is going to play out. China is big enough to go it alone. That's the, that's the key here. I mean, if it ha- if it wanted to, it could possibly go it alone. Um, and there's almost no other nation that can do that. I mean. You know, yeah, India's got the same size population, but there isn't a greater India in the sense that there are you know, other nations um, like Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore. Um, and um, you know, there, there possibly could be an Indian version as well, but I think China in, in particular is able to go it alone as far as this, this is concerned. Mm. Oh, well, there'll be... Uh It'll be interesting to see what the what the reality is. Well, the, the uh, fact, you the know, fact given, that given some time, the fact that Google's share price hasn't moved tells you that they're not really worried about it, or it tells you they don't really make that much money from. True. <laughs> that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess in the scheme of it, I mean, Google Google makes a a, a fair a fair bit of money, and uh, this is obviously something that. Certainly, as as yet, um, yeah, isn't isn't such a big concern. Now, um, Michelle Dickinson shared something over the weekend uh, about a, a situation in uh, in South Korea that was uh, was was televised, and it it was um, a virtual reality environment that was created. For the TV program, but apparently the um, the elements of it were uh, were real. So their their documentary was focused on a family who uh, lost their seven year old uh, daughter, and they basically spent uh, some months putting together a virtual environment a virtual reality environment so the child's mother would be able to go and and I guess say a, a last goodbye uh, to to her uh, uh, daughter in a VR world and interact I believe and yep yeah, and yeah. interact you know yeah. talk uh, you know, visit a, a recreated em- environment that was, uh, you know, a, yeah. similar to an environment that they'd uh, uh, they'd, they'd spent time in, um, and the the footage of this of the the TV program and this or this interaction is uh, available online a- a- along with some um, uh, some of the. Some of the the footage, and you, you know, you could see this uh, this mother and 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 others in uh, in tears. It's uh, boy, it's it's really hard to get your head around. I mean, you know, for people that have passed away, mostly, you know, our memory is what's in our memory, yeah. and some photos and maybe some videos, yeah. right? Um, depending on 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 you know when they passed away and so on. Uh, but taking it to this sort of VR level where you're interacting with a with a virtualized version of of somebody now we're we're maybe only a you know a small fraction of what technically could be possible if this were if this was something that uh, were to were to catch on in in the in the future and was prepared for ahead of time. 
what's 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 your take on it? Is this just spooky, yeah, weird spooky, stuff, or creepy. or is it or is there something you know genuinely good and therapeutic here for uh, for, um, for loved ones? Um, is it therapeutic or is it actually? wallowing in misery i mean it's yeah. i'm not sure i can't i i can't make up my mind about that um if it works for you then it works for you you know that's you know you do you when it comes to this sort of thing but that said um you know is it an idealized version of the little girl is did she you know is she occasionally naughty did any of that happen you know that sort of thing mm. um is it real um i don't know i i, I can't answer this i i I personally found just about every virtual reality experience I've ever tried is a disappointment one way or another. And I think given that experience to date that anything like this would feel a bit hollow to me. But I'm not the lady who's lost her daughter, you know, and it, for her it could be magical. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it It sounded like it was reasonably well done but i mean you know that it's very much this sort of thing would be very much in the eye of the beholder um you know whether i'm um, you know presuming it, that it wasn't acting on the on the participants part it certainly looked as though it it, it tore at her heartstring and yeah. strings and and in, in some way but yeah whether that has a positive or a or, well, a, or, a, or a negative uh impact i i'm it's intrusive, manipulative television, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but then, you know, again, people like that sort of thing, so yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, now, Tesla keep doing interesting things, um, and I'm a little bit biased on, on that front, having um, uh, joined the, uh, the, the Tesla owners' uh, camp, in in recent uh, months, but I thought it was interesting that they're now planning to launch their own ride-sharing app ahead of, I guess it was a, a initially suggested uh, that they would, they would have a ride-sharing app once their cars were fully autonomous. Now... Um, the more the more I delve in and and you know learn uh, about the realities of how far how far down that track it, they are and and you know what the challenges are the the further out it uh, yeah. uh, it it looks for me uh, in terms of you know actually being at a point where it could you know uh, one of these vehicles could drive from you know any des- any any starting point to any destination uh, in terms of getting from some points A's to point B uh, you know I think that will be possible in, in New Zealand in you know not such a distant future but going from anywhere to anywhere is 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 a is a whole different kettle of fish. I've been writing about tech for more than 40 years right and there's been a lot of these ready next years yeah. sort of stories <laughs> over the years that you know some of those things fade and die and never yeah. just never come back yeah never get close um the classic one and i've mentioned this so many times in so many other circumstances is voice recognition yeah right we are just about there but the first voice recognition demonstration I saw was in 1980. And the guy giving a demonstration said, in about two years' time, you won't need a keyboard. You'll be doing everything with a computer this way. 
it's that kind of story. It turns out that the nearer you get to achieving these things, you realise the further you are from achieving them. And my take on autonomous cars is you can get like, you know, there's there's layers of autonomy in, mm. in cars. Mm. And you can get about halfway up that tree. You, you can get a little way up that tree already. You can get about halfway up that tree any, di- any time now. But to get to the point where you can jump in your car and get, you know, get to Pihar Beach from City of Auckland without falling off a cliff or anything is probably a long way away. Um, and there will be, you know, there's other gotchas in there, um, you know, about what goes on on the roads and so on. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it seems to be all those little edge things that are yeah. that I've noticed with with uh, the autopilot and Tesla, uh, where it's you know it's, it's just not is is not prepared for, and and, yeah. it, and it can be uh, something as simple as you know right now there's there's nothing turned on to deal with the with the zebra crossing now. Yeah. Um, that's that's a that's okay, um, be, but but because really they're they're saying look motorways is is where is where it work is where it's designed yeah. to work at this stage in New Zealand, and actually it can do a pretty good job when they rolled out this uh, new capability which would take you from uh, on ramp to off ramp and you know automatically change lanes and 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 navigate from uh, one motorway to another if, if you know motorways uh, you know crossed and 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 so on uh, around Christmas so I took that out and tried it in the early hours of whatever morning it was it, it got released probably two o'clock in the morning or something um, when I was I was navigating it uh, to a destination in Onihanga now it came across a whole pile of cones not not just blocking the off ramp but actually cutting off <laughs> some of the lanes and the autopilot actually you know as well as visual you know having a computer generated visualization of the cones it had picked them up it recognized them you know came up with a message basically said there was road maintenance and it couldn't take that exit and it was smart enough then to to actually take the next exit so that within that very simple environment yeah. of the motorway, uh, where the lanes are clearly marked and so on, the the technology is mostly very good. Now it turns itself off as soon as you go into a tunnel, yeah. um, and then comes back on. It's still on autopilot, but its navigation doesn't operate. So if you enter a, a tunnel in the wrong lane and it doesn't consider that it's going to be turned off for a period, and at the End of the tunnel, the motorway splits splits in two, which it it, it does. You're thinking uh, of Waterview, and, uh, like yeah. water, the Waterview Tunnel yeah. in Auckland. Um, so if you've come from the airport and you're wanting to go into the city, uh, and uh, because it turns it turns off the the navigate during the tunnel section, uh, you can very easily not be heading to the city if if you leave if you're expecting it to do its fully autonomous uh, piece I've known there. people to do that as well, <laughs> yeah, though. <yeah. laughs> um, not me, I should add. Well, look, the thing about that is that's that's a really important part of driving. It's also a part of driving which is actually difficult and dangerous for humans to do, the, the navigating motorways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good thing to hand over because it's something which machines probably can do better than us. But, you know, the other parts of the job, I think, not yet. Um, well, I, especially looking at, at New Zealand roads and yeah. all the obstacles you get. And, you know, right where we're, uh, where we're based here in the studio, where, you know, um, yeah, 
50 meters or so from uh, where there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, there's a, effectively a wrecking ball of the yeah. cranes and things destroying the, uh, the, the what was the Mercury Plaza to make way for uh, the, the new subway, basically, the new, you know, under, underground railway. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's different obstacles because they're running water to sort of, you know, hose, hose down as they uh, destroy things and uh, cones and, it's, you know, it's it's madness now. And it's people walking about as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. people crossing over it. Now, the technology is just, just not there for that. Now, what this, the the um, announcement, and this is this is like all good uh, Tesla announcements, it's, uh, I, I think, straight from Elon Musk's Twitter feed because uh, Tesla don't actually make too many uh, announcements. It tends to be uh, <laughs> uh, that Elon announced something in one form or or another, and you have to read between the lines and and guess what he means by timing, or what he means by having, um, you know, the uh, auto- or autonomous uh, capabilities being uh, feature complete. Uh, and and clearly, any of his statements, I, I think, from their their latest uh, release around um, uh, feature complete, full self driving, does not mean. That actually it will work. It just means that they've they've built the key features, uh, and that's what they're saying that they're they're close to. Um, but well, as I get closer to it and and um, you know spend more time testing out autopilot, um, yeah, certainly my my confidence has uh, has gone down and just how long that will take, and even how long it will take to get to New Zealand because we're not on the same set of features as no. they are in the in, in the US and but, some but, but, features but, we're a year behind. But when they say ride sharing they mean you can hire out your Tesla like a Airbnb or something. They're treating it as the way I take it is this would be in competition with Uber uh, and 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 other uh, ride sharing type services. So so it, see what, the way I read it when I read the story I thought what they meant was ride sharing in that your car goes out to take other people around the place autonomously um it does say ride hailing app yeah. so they're, they're touting this ride hailing app so i think and there are already some tesla drivers including in new zealand who basically use it with yeah. with uber or or other services yeah. when they're in their spare time or they, I don't know, enjoy showing people their car or they're curious about the other side of the technology as, as I am to a degree and they want to see, well, what is what what does the other side of it look like? I've been a passenger. What does it look like to uh, um, yeah, to, to be the worker in, in that uh, scenario? So, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting because there are, a, you know, a growing number of Teslas out in the market. Uh, I just wouldn't imagine and and most parts of the world there would be enough for it to be much used to somebody to fire up the Tesla ride sharing uh, app and get a ride in a, in a Tesla because uh, you know even if there were what five on the road in Auckland that were available for hire there or, wouldn't be one near my house at, I can assure you at any yeah. one time yeah. and it's un- unlikely to be you know near you so you you might try the app yeah. a couple of times and then you you're going to stop using it because just it's not worth your time or your or your hassle to see if there's one nearby whereas dollar and but that's where i am that's where i am not. with um, uber anyway uber will not come to my suburb i mean they say they do right but you you, you can just never order one oh, there, wow. so okay so um so um 
it's like that anyway. Um, look, I yeah, I the thing about Tesla is is Tesla's worth watching. I mean, I, I, the, the whole business about the company is worth more than all the other American car manufacturers added together. Strikes me as a little weird, <laughs> you know, a little odd. Yeah, I mean, their, their market cap, I think, like, checked it this morning because I was yeah, chatting about it on um, on TV3 was a, a bit over 200 billion New yeah. Zealand yeah. Uh, New Zealand dollars they've really gone gone through the roof yeah. in terms of that valuation a lot of people who who I would respect are saying actually that those those numbers now are, are pretty hard to justify now I think yeah. we'll have all sorts of views I know. I mean, just in the, in in the last, and I'm not sure the exact period, but certainly in the last six to twelve months, you know, that share price has gone from I think a, a low of under two hundred US dollars to where it it, it peaked at around a thousand US dollars. It's yeah. a, a dropped back to you know between seven and eight hundred. It's uh, yeah. it's. It is really fascinating. I get why people are excited about yeah, investing yeah, no. in Tesla, and I think it does have that potential, um, or or is becoming a, a sort of apple of sorts of of car brands. But they, for them to be able to get the sort of margins that Apple get, yeah. that that's the bit that I I don't know it's whether they could ever achieve Look, that. I, my my. My sort of guess about Tesla, and it's just a guess. It's not. This is not based on, um, you know, a hard research. Is that it's? It feels to me like one of those organisations, which is um, what I like to call a Moses organisation, and that is with Moses, right? You get to see the promised land, but you don't get there. And I think Tesla's one of those. You know, Tesla can see the promised land. But you know, someone else might get there first. I, 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 I could be wrong. I, mm, I, I could mm. be entirely wrong. But I just got that feeling about what's what's the trajectory they're on. That said, right, we're in completely uncharted territory mm. as far as the car, you know, as far as cars and manufacturing and so on are concerned. And it could be a completely different set of logic and rules apply. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's worth noting that, that Tesla do, you know, they do have some pretty strong strings to their yeah, bow. Yeah. When when I when I look at it. Um, you know the range they get out of a given battery, and you compare the weight yeah. of the vehicles and other things. And there's a chart online about this. But when I had a, a sort of a, I guess a quick estimation, um, you know, if they've got a, a particular battery size, let's say it's the 90 kilowatt hour um, uh, battery size, they tend to get about 20 percent more range than what the other yeah. automakers are getting. So there's a there's a, a huge benefit there from yeah. that perspective they've got um, the software updatability which is still uh, and they've been you know they've been doing this for a number of years streets ahead of of the others in terms of the fact that it updates you know like your phone they can just push out these updates and new features and I've had a lot of new features pushed out to the model 3 since September uh, whether it be Netflix or YouTube or uh, you know the um, uh, navigate on on autopilot on the motorways or new games uh, you know thrown in there and so on um, so there, there's that software updatability which which allows the vehicle to actually get better over you know over its life um, 
there's their uh, charging infrastructure, yeah. Uh, which in in New Zealand certainly, I'm sure this is probably not the case. Well, it's certainly not the case in some other markets, um, but at the moment their charges, um, you know, can can charge at their at their peak at more than twice as fast as the other infrastructure. Uh, that's that's available, yeah. and and overall they they just seem to have that uh, you know that maturity. Oh, in they their, have that in lead their, for in sure. their, in their tech. They, yeah, they have that lead for sure. But we've seen that before with, um, with other tech companies. But as I say, different rules could apply mm. here. And um, and and their manufacturing, uh, you know, and their joint venture with Panasonic, yeah. the, the the batteries, which I don't think any of the other automakers, I mean, probably need because no one's selling anywhere near as as many um, electric vehicles as they are. Um, but that puts them in that position in terms of you know actually having the the battery technology and uh, that they can they can manufacture what they need to. Yeah, I definitely think the old school um, car market is just shot. Really, um, but anyway, there's some there's some good pressures there anyway that they're that they're putting on the industry regardless of how they how they do or do or don't do over the next uh, you know over the next few few years ahead. Um, one thing that that doesn't well it's it does sort of count against them. Well, it will make it it harder is because they don't spend any money on advertising. Um, you know the the the, the tradition and their traditional car makers, of course, do. Mm. Is as those brands will keep pushing their their story, um, you know, very hard. Now they don't get the free publicity that no. you know all the news coverage that that anything that come that Elon says gets. But um, I think that's starting to die down a bit. There's starting to be less reporting on um, on on aspects of, 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 of Tesla unless it's really big news. I'm, I'm also slightly concerned about companies which seem to be all based around one person. Um, I mean, Microsoft matured its way out of that. Um, Apple sort of did, but in a kind of, you know, not very good way, hmm. if you like. Um, I don't know. You know, it's just a bit. It's a bit dependent on one person, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, certainly, if something were to happen to, to Elon Musk in the mm. in, in the short term, which it could. Uh, you you yeah. you know you yeah. you can imagine uh, that that might not play out uh, too well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would de- it, de- it would depend on 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 timing. Uh, now on to <laughs> on to other topics. What about these strange lights in the sky, Bill? What well, about, uh, well. And, and, and this this is uh, of course you know SpaceX putting up their uh, their satellites. And, you know we've talked about these uh, uh, you know a, a number uh, of times that uh, that that SpaceX is is gearing up to uh, cover the globe. Uh, with with internet coverage um, from their low Earth orbit satellites, but um, this whole thing is, is sort of ended up with a bit of a side effect well, that none of us were expecting. Yeah, look, um, I've got a I've got some real thoughts on this because a my last job before I left the UK to come here was actually um, I worked for British Space Science and you know astronomers I, I work with astronomers. And um, I knew at the time, this is going back 30-something years, that they were concerned about satellites that, you know, that long ago. Right. Um, and, and about two weeks ago, I, was, I went out onto the deck and it was a very warm evening. And when it's a warm evening and the sky's clear above, 
even though I'm in Auckland, I can generally see the Milky Way, and I just kind of like to do that occasionally. Mm. I look up at the Milky Way, and uh, I can still spot a few constellations and so on, a few star clusters, and um, was, was enjoying that. And I was looked to the south, and there were some clouds. I saw some clouds, and then the next thing I saw was what looked like meteorites, but like really, really bright meteorites, but a lot across quite a wide part of the sky. It was possibly travelling... I think it was travelling too fast to be a satellite. But when I checked it out, um, other people saw something as well. And some people did see a meteorite. There was a meteorite activity at that time. Um, But it turns out that when you see a streak across the sky, that can be a a row of satellites can, can cause that effect too. I think I actually saw a meteorite rather than a row of satellites. But it was, it was quite dramatic. Um, and then on another evening, I did see a satellite. And they do, they actually do blot out a lot of the sky when, you know, they're, they're quite bright. Um, and they would be a major problem for, um, for sort of small-scale astronomers and certainly people using visual, optical Astronomy be yeah. a huge problem. I mean, the, if if they can't uh, address this, and you know they've been putting them up, and uh, you know, I think each launch puts up uh, sixty yeah. uh, satellites. So every time, you know, they 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 um, they do a launch, they're putting sixty satellites. They've done, uh, I think, four launches now. So there's two hundred forty. Of these up there, and their plan, I think, was for an initial constellation of around uh, twelve thousand satellites. So, you know, we're we're not even yeah. you know fortieth uh, of the way there yet. And they're low and, as well. And um, you know, maybe yeah. potentially forty-two thousand. So, the light pollution that, that that would cause for astronomers and how it would would change the night sky for future generations yeah. uh, is sort of mind-boggling. And I'm not sure if they've got any way to work around this. You know, there no. was that uh, – I mean, we, we we heard about the uh, the complaints when uh, Peter Beck and, Beck and uh, Rocket Lab, um, you know, put up their, uh, their, their glitter ball and, yeah. you know, that didn't stay up for long and, and, until it, uh, you know, burned up in the atmosphere. Uh, but – I mean, this is just on a on a on a whole another yeah crazy scale. Yeah, it is. But you know, the thing is, is these things are they they're pretty much unregulated as well, aren't they? Uh, no, I think they have had to get uh, author- authorization. Yeah. You know, certainly on on the US side, that they've been given authorization to launch. Uh, a certain amount within a certain uh, time frame, so they're, they're, it's not a, a complete free for all. Now, I guess if you were Russia or you know whatnot, then uh, there might be a whole other set of rules. But certainly yeah. for uh, you know for for US companies, and yeah, I'm I'm not sure how that uh, operates internationally. I th- you know I think for New Zealand, the launches that we're we're doing, are, um, yeah, they've got. Local, uh, you know, yeah. approval. Oh no, no, as I meant well lo- launch US, approval. But, but the yeah. actual, what I meant is, well, oh, what sits up there? Yeah, what sits yeah. up there? I yeah. mean, I think it's well, first come, first served. Um, I no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that SpaceX have got some level of authorization for what they're putting up there, because um, those also they also have to transmit. So there's a, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, um, you know, 
level there. In fact, I, I saw um, Elon Musk, you know, making some comments around how much uh, spectrum was being given to 5G. And I, I imagine that's because he actually wants yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, some, some spectrum for uh, uh, for his satellites. So we will we will see how this one plays out. But it's a bit concerning at the moment. I, I've got to say, if it keeps in, in, increasing uh, as it has been. Uh, now, oh, just a, a, a quick one on the uh, the, the Google front. Um, this was. Uh, uh, I guess something we've we've talked about a little bit on the on the podcast uh, in the past is is some of the the taxation challenges we have as we move to a world where you have some really big globally dominant companies, the Amazons, Apples, Microsoft, Googles, you know, of of this world. Uh, and I saw some coverage. It was it was some weeks ago now, but we hadn't um, we hadn't covered it off. So I thought it worth um, worth just mentioning. Um, there was uh, an indication that Google are uh, finally uh, stopping um, their their use of these uh, Irish and Dutch uh, tax uh, loopholes, and it and it sounds like uh, because of varying uh, regulation changes that this is really something and, and this particular story was about Google uh, but it sounds like this is something that we are really starting to see uh, come to an end uh, in yeah. in some form and I think uh, certainly in terms of how um, how the these bigger uh, firms sort of skip paying taxes, certain taxes uh, within the European Union yeah. and the US, uh, but I don't think we're we're well. I'm sure we're not there yet as far as creating an appropriate uh, playing field for markets like New Zealand. Well, it's, it's on. It's, it seems to be improving. No, but. no, you say that, but actually, I was I was researching this for something else that I was writing mm. um, just recently. And it turns out that, you know, all the complaints you hear about uh, these companies, they, they extract wealth from New Zealand and they don't pay taxes here. Well, they don't pay taxes in the US either. You know, it's, it's, it's the same issue in the US. It's just, a, it's just, um, it's just um, a different level of it because those companies are domiciled in the US. Yes, I mean, there's certainly, I mean, the way I take it and in those sort of situations, they've been, they've been, they've been paying tax for certainly what they earn in the US market but, but it's they, more it's no, more the, the international market they're, 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 they're paying peanuts and, yeah, and, they, okay. and they're, they're moving on around and the thing is here's the thing right they're not actually doing anything with that money either that they're you know the taxes that they're not paying um, it's I mean most of these companies are just stockpiling money in different parts of the yeah, world yeah in different parts of the world I mean and um, but they're not stockpiling it in New Zealand and, no and, no and, and, and paying a, a, look, look, a whole lot here I think this I think there's um, I think there's a something here which is just simply not a tech story but it's a political story and that is is that the mood of the world is moving away from the old mercantilist free trade um, capitalist model that we've had for the last hundred years or so. And pretty much everywhere, including the US, is actually starting to think, well, hang on a minute, this isn't really working the way we thought it was working for us. And so if you, um, if you look at 
say, for example, um, the Democratic primaries, Democratic Party primaries, they're all talking about taxing these companies and making these companies pay tax and so on. And that's in America. And America yeah, is yeah. like you know, capitalism central. Yeah. So I think that there's a mood afoot in the world that's going to start cracking down on these things. And my guess is, is that Google is wisely getting in ahead of the curve yeah, so I think they'd I think they'd rather do it their way now than mm. wait and have mm. something imposed on them from governments. That's that's how I read what's what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a fair few complexities to it. And yeah, been, oh God, you yeah. know, changes in the US and the corporate tax rates since since you know Trump's been in power, um, and well, yeah, other other well, sort of things part, that have, that but that's have part of it because change. Part of the theory was was that they were all waiting for a more favourable corporate tax regime in the US, mm. and then they would whisk their money back to the US. But that hasn't been happening in the. I know it has scale. been in some cases because yeah, there was, I think, even a maybe a forgiveness of debt for bringing, yeah. uh, you know, for or, you know of taxes for but bringing some of, them, on the some, scale some of that back. The, yeah. It hasn't happened on the scale that was expected. So it's um, I don't know. This is this is kind of beyond. <laughs> it is. It is. But I think. The, the the nature of globalization yeah. and, and and technology has sort of changed the playing field globally and yeah. and it is you know one that that we need to be thinking about and and uh, you know making making sure that as, as a country that we make the smart moves at at the moment I think New Zealand is sitting back a little bit to see what happens in um in in other areas before you know rather than trying to jump in first and to well. and to uh, and and to solve it and you know there's a degree to which that's happened around uh, GST where yeah. and and, and so on where we've followed we're some quite wise from though because we're only a small economy and we can't I mean some of these companies have more clout than New Zealand so and they certainly collectively the 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 big companies do have more clout than New Zealand so I'm not saying we should just you know sit sit out and wait but I think we need to do this in this needs to be done on a international scale. It shouldn't be country by country. It needs to be done by treaties and agreements and so on between various nations. Um, that's the only way I think anything's going to ha- happen. But I think what's happening with the likes of Google and so on is they're getting in ahead. They're making decisions now that are you know more palatable, so that they don't have things forced on them down the track. Mm-hmm. And there's some wisdom to that approach. Yes. <laughs> now, looking at New Zealand, uh, Cora, this uh, autonomous air taxi technology that was being uh, tested in the in the South Island, and uh, in fact, I uh, um, uh, spoke spoke to uh, somebody down there at. Uh, mm, I'm trying to trying to remember my uh, um, Lake Tekapo, um, who had seen the uh, core actually flying around down there. They oh, apparently yeah. have now done uh, over a thousand uh, test flights, and so we first heard about this going back uh, twenty. I think it was 20, 2017, and I got to uh, sit down with uh, Fred Reed, who was the uh, the president of the the company uh, behind Cora, and uh, this was being uh, funded from, I guess, uh, 
uh, a, you know, the, the profits of a Google founder <laughs> and um, what what we, uh, you know, what we heard was, you know, really they were looking to launch and 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 test this vehicle capable of carrying two people. It being uh, electric, which is is fairly new as far as flights concerned, uh, and autonomous, and and those uh, you know two pieces uh, together, and the change in the the type of flight certainly when you compare it to uh, helicopters and even traditional aircraft from. Uh, a, a safety standpoint and a maintenance standpoint, making it you know quite a uh, quite a different picture. And you know, of course, we've been hearing about Uber Elevate, which uh, is I get, you, know, you could you could take a, a few views on it. Whether it's um, you know Uber trying to edge in on where the technology is going and get all the best uh, PR for it because it, it makes them look cool and cutting edge and, and edgy to uh, to offer such a service but of course actually they don't they're not making any of the technology themselves so they've partnered up with a bunch of firms who are who are trying to um, you know develop these these type of vertical takeoff and, and landing uh, aircraft or, or, or VTOLs um, but uh, Cora has sort of come out as the uh, uh, as the more independent competition, and they've re- rebranded um, since I spoke to them under the the name uh, Whisk, and they now have uh, have got approval uh, here in New Zealand to uh, to actually um, do a trial uh, as an autonomous. Uh, Air taxi. So, what they have at the moment is an experimental airworthiness certificate from um, uh, both the New Zealand Civil Aviation Authority and the United States Federal Aviation uh, Administration. Now, that has allowed them to do, I think, the the thousand or so test flights that they've done already. The next stage is to work with the uh, CAA uh, to get the certification. To do the um, you know the actual air taxi testing, which is basically putting people up in what I would call a a, a very glorified drone. Basically, well, I was going to say it's a big drone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they look cool, don't they? They they look they look very cool. It looks like it's a hybrid of a of an aeroplane and a and and some sort of drone. You know, twelve uh, twelve rotors for for yeah. lifting that then sort of you know fold, fold up, and then it sort of flies um, you know horizontally and it's got sort of small um, yeah. you know wings or, or, or winglets and it and it uses a more tra- yeah, traditional looking uh, rear well, pro- you know propeller, although that's all electrified. As well, I have questions. <laughs> um, no, the first, the first thing is, I mean, first thing to say is, is this is the closest thing yet to the flying cars we were promised when I was a kid. Yes, yeah, um, um, and it's kind of neat in a lot of ways. But here's the things that bother me. Right, first one is you're testing in New Zealand. This, this is the place where you get like really windy conditions. Um, and surely that must be a factor. Now, they're testing it in Canterbury, which I don't think is quite as windy as other parts of the country. But all the same, you know, a gust of wind can come along um, there, I'm sure. That bothers me a bit, but I think they, I'm, I'm, I'm working on the assumption that the engineers know what they're doing 
with these things. I mean, an aeroplane is flying in and out of, it, of airports all the time. So I guess, you know, that's probably just me being a bit overcautious. Um, how much is it going to cost to use one of these as a taxi? Well, that that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Is, yeah. Is this going to be available to, uh, you know, 1% of the population, 2%, yeah. 5%, 10%, 20%? It's it's going. It's not going to be the everyday transport well, for everybody in the next five years. Well, let's put it this way: you're where, not going to have. Where, a, where could it be in 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 a generation's time? Well, they, would you would you see a hundred of them turning up at Eden Park to drop people off at the cricket or the football? I don't know. You know, it could be, but I don't. I don't. But I don't see that. I mean, and that's the thing. I, th- I it's you need space to take off and land. You don't need a lot of space, but you need some space. Um, so you can't. So they can't go anywhere. I mean, you, I can't see them landing in downtown Auckland or downtown Christchurch or downtown. Well, London. I mean, they could land on on you know they could on roofs, you know, on top of buildings in and, downtown you know. Wellington. <laughs> well, yeah, Wellington could be yeah. uh, could be a bit of a wind yeah. uh, a, a wind a wind, a wind challenge even at even uh, Auckland sea level. Be. Even Auckland um, can be. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you see what I'm saying? It's there's there's kind of questions about that, but how it works. But that's that's just me being a journalist and asking questions, which I'm sure these people will have some answers. to. I mean, drones today are actually getting pretty good at sitting stable, even yeah. in somewhat windy conditions. They so are. These are you know these are much much you know it's much bigger and heftier yeah. you know piece of technology. Look, there, I think there, there's there will be. All sorts of challenges, some of which that they've, uh, you know, that they're very pleased with the results, and, and maybe some others that are uh, going to stretch out well, longer, such as how would you control the skies yes. if we had ten thousand autonomous air taxis operating full time well, in pick any, you know, any city or, well, or any region of New Zealand. And right? here's the other thing: why that, can't I have my own one? I'd much rather have one of these than a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I would. I'd be there with you too on that, Bill. I got. I got to say. Um, well, you know, and the, and that's um, yeah, that that's an interesting. Uh, point from from their perspective, if they're going to make more money by offering the yeah. service end to end, then that's that's what they're going to do. Maybe in the same way that Tesla uh, is is looking to control and own uh, future Teslas rather yeah. than rather than necessarily selling them, yes. is having that that fleet so of uh, autonomous autonomous vehicles. So it's the Lime model. <laughs> yes, in a way, it, in a way, it is. It uh, is with, yeah. a, with a different, a different driver, an autonomous driver. But uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, if if I mean that's a, that's a great example, right? Lime spends five hundred dollars on a scooter and generates, you know, five thousand dollars off it. That's yeah. a, that's a pretty good transaction. Yeah, you're much better being in that business than someone that makes a scooter for. You know, four hundred and fifty dollars and sells it for five hundred. For, yeah. for uh, so, yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah, no, I, I get it. No, I look. I think it's, I think it's actually quite an interesting development. Um, but I, I still think, I think it's like we were talking earlier about autonomous cars. I think it's still, we're still away. I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to be an everyday reality, and that it's going to be picking people up and dropping them off in Christchurch sometime soon. I'm sure it will be. But whether it's like the taxi cab of choice for Cantabrians anytime soon, probably not. Probably it'll be a bit of a um, 
the American phrase is a freak show, and it doesn't mean it's full of freaks. It means it's like you know a small percentage, and I think that's what it's going to be for a while yet. I, w- I would catch one of these from uh, Hell yeah. Auckland Airport, and uh, sorry, um, starting Christchurch. So if they did a Christchurch Airport to the city run, I mean, I would certainly yeah. pay pay for that once. Yeah. As to how much I would pay, I'm not sure, and I've already, um, you know, tapped the the local GM who says, you know, yes, yes, you can be, uh, you know, I was asking to be at the front front of the queue, so um, um, I, I hope they remember me once they're uh, well, uh, uh, once they're ready. But I, I mean, I'm definitely keen to okay, well, keen to see the reality. But here's another here's another angle on that, Paul. I live the flip side, the other side across the harbour from the airport. If I just draw a straight line to the airport, it's a about half the distance that I'd have to drive yes. going across the bridge. So, are you charged by the kilometre flying? You know, as the crow flies. If you are, then it's you know it'll work out cheaper for some it's journeys. G- it's going to save a lot yeah. of time, and yeah. uh, it's going to save a huge amount of time. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, there'll be some scenarios in which it's just absolutely uh, brilliant. Flies quite low, fifteen hundred um, yeah. feet, um, which is. Uh, pretty interesting. How tall's the uh, sky tower and whatnot? I mean, obviously it knows it Is knows where it's going. It can, sorry, fifteen hundred right. feet or fifteen hundred meters? No, no, fifteen hundred feet. So it's only about five hundred meters. Yeah, yeah. Well, sky tower's more than five hundred meters. Is it? I don't know. Anyway, they they, know, maybe, they, maybe they wouldn't not, be navigating no. into buildings. No, I, um, I'm not sure how to, how how high sky um, is. But speed, because that's less of an issue once you're in the air. They're talking about 160 kilometres an hour. So you think of your route from from your place to the airport, you know, forget about worrying about getting onto the Harbour Bridge and getting onto yeah. the motorway, 160 k's from the moment, you know, or, you know, very quickly because it's electric. Be 10 minutes. Once you're, once you're yeah. up and across. And what does that journey normally take you at the moment? An hour. Yeah. If, uh, an hour if the traffic's good. Yeah. Two hours if <laughs> um, on a bad day. Three hours if one of the roads full. <laughs> um, I mean, I think for me, I can. You know, it's, I'm probably 15 minutes from yeah. from from the airport. 15 to 20 minutes from the airport. I found that out recently when I got to the airport without a passport um, and had to uh, had to do a quick uh, a quick circuit home. Um, but yeah, I can. Yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty keen to try this this stuff out and. Guess what excites me is that New Zealand seems to be plugged in at the forefront, being the place where where this yeah. is tested, and we could delve into all sorts of well, why have they chosen New Zealand? Well, and, I hope it's not because uh, we're slack and and so on. <laughs> I think you could delve into regulation and over regulation in, in some markets. Maybe it's because think, maybe because American companies think that New Zealand people are expendable. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Phil, Phil, that's terrible. <laughs> Surely nobody would think of us like that. Um, now, uh, lastly, uh, it's not an Australian and, company, uh, is it? <laughs> uh, New Zealand Game Developers Association uh, released some details uh, that interactive game exports uh, from New Zealand have doubled. In two years, so uh, we are now, uh, or in 2019, 203 million dollars uh, 
was uh, was generated in terms of um, revenue, and ninety six percent of that was uh, you know was was export, uh, and we look back to when they've been tracking that from about two thousand and twelve. Although that's the figure I've got here, um, it's ten times what it was in two thousand and twelve, yeah. uh, and double what it was in in twenty seventeen. So. We're on a pretty good trajectory there, Bill. If uh, if if New Zealand game developers can keep that up, I mean, and and this doesn't have to have the same, you know, subsidies as we as we're seeing in the um, in the in the film and, yeah. and and television industry. I mean, this is is got to be uh, fantastic for for us as a country, uh, presuming that uh, you know we can keep on top of of. Um, you know, building up the right, uh, the right sort of people with the well, right uh, expertise. I was when I saw that number, I, I was thinking, and I'd love to know this: how many people work as game developers in New Zealand? Is it a thousand? Is it? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a good question. I have um, because if it's a thousand, then each of those people is generating a hell of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, there, there's a bit in the the piece I read that said the companies surveyed, uh, and I th- you know this is referring to the game developers employed 683 creative and high tech workers, an is- increase of 133 uh, new jobs. Uh, this year, so, so that's probably about that's probably about a thousand people all up. So it's uh, you know it's growing at a at a reasonably you know so, good clip. Yeah. So so if it's two two hundred million and there's a thousand people, that means that there's two hundred thousand per person. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's good. That's really good. And and this is what we need, right? Is to yeah. up our uh, up that that productivity figure or the you know the revenue generated um, you know per per person in order to be an economy that yeah. can address some of the some of the challenges that we that we have be it around well, you know housing or poverty and and well, and other such things when you when your productivity level is well, is up or all those earnings are up and it, it makes things a whole lot easier well uh, well the magazine that I run for um, chorus we had a story in the last issue about uh, a games development company in Wairoa right in you know, Central uh, is it Hawke's Bay? Yeah, Central Hawke's Bay. Um, Wairoa is a small town. That's gonna, you know, even if there's only a handful of people there, and there are only a handful of people there, mm. that's going to make a huge difference to the economy of a town like that. Oh, absolutely, and and I think that's the that's the opportunity we now have yeah. with ultra fast broadband and and uh, you know rural broadband that you know, you, you, you could you know create uh, an operation in any location you want now you don't necessarily have to get all your people there although no. there's there's a lot of cultural benefits of having people working together but there are plenty of stories you know both locally and around the world of of course of you know firms that are uh, that are that are spread out too and and this you know creates all sorts of uh, you know opportunities from a you know work life balance perspective when people can you know stay in their favorite part of yeah. the country and uh, and, yeah. and contribute I, I, no, from that point of view, from all those points of view, it's just fabulous. The one thing I don't want to do is I don't want people to think, oh, yeah, this is doing well. Let's just pivot the entire economy to do this, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is the kind of reaction in the past, you know, when we went from sheep to dairy and, and, and so on, because um, that can be a, a overkill. But let's 
let's encourage it, let's celebrate it, and let's um, push it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think, look, uh, you know, a lot of kids in this country are interested in gaming. If that can be, uh, you know, crossed with, uh, um, you know, gaining a bit of an interest in, in, in development and designing and, and creativity, yeah. uh, then, you know, the, the, those people have, uh, you know, uh, are yeah, quite likely going to find it reasonably easy to get uh, em- employed once they finish studying. And if we stay on that trajectory, we're, what, five, six years away from a billion dollars a year. So not too bad. Not too bad, no. Mm. Good stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining the show, Bill. You're welcome. Now, we didn't. I didn't ask you. I didn't. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the show, as we usually do, where you fit into this big wide world of of technology. But you're a journalist. Yeah. Where do people find the things you're working on? And um, I have my own website, BillBennett.co.nz. I'm on Twitter. Um, I've been working very hard not to comment on anything that's not <laughs> technology lately, um, but. You know, inevitable you do, um, and I I I edit the um, the magazine chorus puts out called the Download, which you may see probably seen it in the Corio lounges. Um, if you're in the tech industry in the, in the telecommunications industry, you'll probably see copies of it around. If you don't and you're interested, you can always contact Chorus and ask for one. Um, and I still I still write quite a few stories of people like the Herald and so on as well. So I'm generally tech person around writing yeah, yeah. writing lots of stuff there, there's some yeah some interesting reads up on uh, billbennett.co.nz website at the moment actually so uh, thoroughly thoroughly recommended thanks well that's us for uh, for this week now we must thank those who make the show uh, possible um, other than uh, those of us that are that are on the air today, um, we have Sumo Logic and Vodafone uh, to thank as our um, partners, along with uh, Spark, Vocus, HP, and uh, Samsung. So, um, thank you to those uh, six partners for their support of uh, the technology ecosystem uh, in New Zealand and uh, especially their, their support of uh, the New Zealand Tech Podcast which uh, is, is helping us get the likes of um, Bill Bennett on the show a bit more <laughs> a bit more regularly these days so um, yeah thanks to, to those firms for their support and thanks uh, to you for listening into the, the show uh, if you've enjoyed this then uh, please feel free to uh, um, you know share the show around uh, to your friends on and colleagues online uh, and you can also follow us on LinkedIn. We now have a, uh, a LinkedIn uh, presence uh, as well as being on uh, Twitter and Facebook. All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.